Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? Wednesday here, uh, coming off another tough loss for our Detroit Lions in Chicago. Division rival, but there's plenty to talk about because I woke up at 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, I was up earlier, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I'm getting hyped for this game, thinking, man, it's a game we can get against Chicago. Like, get this dub, we'd be back with some, some stakes heading into Turkey Day. And sure enough, I see it pop up on the bottom line. Matt Stafford out. And I just had to like mute everything else I was doing and say, what, what the heck is going on? Like, I mean, straight up Grifka style. I mean, uh, get, get the, uh, get the sound bite out. I got to have it here somewhere. I was just like, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, like you're sitting our quarterback down if he's played hundreds of games in a row. What the hell are you doing? I mean, I was real frustrated when I saw that, but, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the game, some other things off the top. Grifka, I know you're there on the other end. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, just uh, it's one of those things that the uh, light at the end of the tunnel is looking uh, pretty bleak right here. But, you know, we'll get our picks and shovels out and keep digging. Got to. Got to get that pad level down. You know, our will is outstanding here on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, let's just talk about some things off the top. So we, we got into it a few weeks ago about these running backs. You know, again, I, I know you had some high hopes, and obviously the Lions do too on Ty Johnson. He He's done now with a concussion, which you know how those go. Could be back in a week or two, but also they can linger. It left us with J.D. McKissick and Paul Perkins. Grifka, I'm so frustrated by my guy Bob Quinn just sort of standing pat, sitting around, like, with these running backs. I mean, the Lions have had bad running backs for a long time now, but – this, to me, is the worst combo ever. And, and J.D. McKissick makes a few plays, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't want to go into football games with him as my lead back. Then, you, then you're dropping down to Paul Perkins. Again, another guy I think I like is maybe my fourth you know, running back where he can do a couple things. But the fact that they went into this game with those three and then quickly lost Ty Johnson, to me, is just an embarrassment when it comes to NFL football. There's no way any other team would find this acceptable. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's uh, it's it's really hard to explain to like you know get any hope for a game. Like you said, you woke up and you're thinking to yourself, okay, we need this game. Team's gonna be you know, you know, sh- you know should should be all you know stoked to play it. And then you hear Stafford goes down. It's like great. You know what are they gonna do? They got Driscoll. You know the guy was what I think one in four. You know starts for you know Cincinnati last year. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, they're going to lean a little more heavier on the run this, you know, try to take a little pressure off him. You know, Ty Johnson gets hurt early. And I'm not even quite sure what play he, you know, where he got injured because there wasn't one where he was down, you know, where they, you know, they kind of like had to stop the game, you know. So must have been one of those things where, you know, the eye in the sky saw and said, hey, you got to check this guy. And they took him right to the locker room. And then after that, it was like, yeah, they're trying to run through the up the middle with McKissick and, you know, Perkins, you know, getting his shot here and there. But uh, it was just like once that happened, it was just at that point, like all the air out, was let out of the balloon. You know, you're playing with a backup QB. You know, you're down to, like you said, your fourth, fifth running backs. And neither one of those guys are putting the fear in anybody. So it's just pretty disheartening. Yeah, they they picked up my guy, Bo Scarborough, who I like tweeted out literally probably like an hour or two before they signed him. I was like, can we just go get Bo Scarborough? We had talked about him on the show. He's young. He's big. He's fast. He's got some upside. Sure enough, they signed him. And then, of course, all the uh, Lions GMs and everybody out there, oh, well, you know, I don't think he has anything like, you know, he's this, he's that. I'm like, 
he's something. He's <laughs> something. He's a body. He's something other than what we have. So, I mean, I hope they could get him up to speed and just run him out there against Dallas, who he's actually picked up, I think, as an undrafted free agent or in the seventh round, whatever it was in the draft. Run him out there against Dallas and give him the football and see what he can do because – I mean, the fact that they just are sitting there going, oh, we'll just we'll scheme up a few runs. Or like say, the minute they started running J.D. McKissick straight into the defense, right in the middle, like he's some big power back. I was like, this makes no sense. Like, you know, if you're going to have those two, scheme up some trick plays, some runs to the edge, something, rather than, you know, putting J.D. McKissick like he's a between-the-tackles guy. It's just so frustrating to me, but... Like I say, they don't really have any options. They weren't able to get a trade done, and here we are just sitting there going, okay, now we have no QB, which that was our only way to move the football and score points. Our defense, yeah, they played a bit better in the Chicago game, but overall they still just can't get off the field when they need to, can't make turnovers, which to me is the biggest thing. Like, you can't turn the football over. You know, that's – you're not going to be a good defense. as simple as that, really, when you boil it all down. So – Real frustrated by the running back situation. We've talked about it for a couple weeks now. Grifka, I'll turn it to a happier note, at least for me, probably not for you here. Did you happen to see the top-graded Lion by PFF this week, Grifka? Uh, I, no. <laughs> okay, well, to enlighten you, it's a guy named Jared Davis. He had an 81.5 PFF grade, the tops on the team. I also wanted to bring it to your attention that Taylor Decker has been the top left tackle in football for two weeks now with a really good pass grade, a little bit lower on his run rating, but, you know, top left tackle in the game. Like, I mean... The PFF scores aren't everything. I know you hate both these players. To me, it's just a show, again, that as as much as we might see on the film or on the game when we're watching it, a missed tackle here or there or, a, you know, a, a frustrating moment, the fact that these guys are grading out with those type of scores shows me that, you know, they do have some ability and the Lions probably see this as well as, you know, watch the tape and know a lot more than we do and think that, you know, every fan wants to just boot both these players, but they're both young. They're both at key positions. And if you don't have any better replacements, to me, these grades show that they can get it done. I think the Lions had uh, minimal minimal sacks with Driscoll back there. So, you know, as much as you hate our O-line, just bringing those up too, that, you know, they've been decent, I would say, if, if not better than decent. And Jared Davis, as much as he might – swing and miss as he does, you know, make some plays and, and hopefully they'll just continue to use him in different ways. And, and Johnny Tavai was the second graded uh, player this week as well. So I just thought I'd uh, not only bring that to your attention, but on a positive note, seeing those type of grades are good things, I think, for those players. Um, uh, okay. I mean, uh, okay. That's a small sample size. I mean, considering at one point, you know, PFF had, I think last week had uh, Jared Davis rated as the worst linebacker that, you know, was playing, you know, so he had one good week. Okay. Um, Taylor Decker, once again. Okay. So he's had a couple weeks. I mean, he's still, he's still a very average left tackle and, you know, okay. Jelani's advice still rookie. There's points where he looks lost out there. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll cut that guy a little more slack simply because you know, he is a rookie and he's, you know, transitioning, but, uh, uh, okay. I mean, that's positives. I guess that's a small note you could take, but, you know, as opposed to, like you said, one week where Jared Davis is rated as the highest and he's had pretty much the rest of the season where PFF is like, yeah, he sucks. So, uh, okay. I mean, he, he had a good week and, uh, they, you know, they still lost to a guy who had what two touchdown passes and over the last four games and had three against these guys. Oh, okay. No problem. Griff, I'm too tired to hit the bell about eight times for the OKs and for the uh, he sucks and all the other catchphrases you did there. Grifka, like, let me just ask you this without getting in a big argument, because I obviously could right now if I one had more energy or even wanted to. But do, do you want these players to do well? Because, like, when I read off a good game, like, okay, you can say, well, I got all this other stuff that shows they've been bad. 
when they have a good game or when they maybe are playing better or it's sinking in or they're starting to maybe, I don't know, could you ever imagine that maybe one or two of these players are turning a corner to be better and to be a helpful piece on this team? Do you even want that or do you just want them to suck so that you can say, not only was I right, but yeah, they're just not good football players because I feel like you don't even really want them to be good. Well, there's frustrates guys. Me. Are, there's points where guys are what they are, and Taylor Decker is what he is at this point. Um, you know what he's going to be. He's an average left tackle. He's not going to turn into a stalwart left tackle. So yeah, do I want him to be good? Yeah, but is he ever going to be? No. He's shown enough. There's enough tape on him to realize he'll never be that. And Jared Davis, I mean, fine. He's in what is third year or whatever. I mean, the guy still takes poor angles. The guy still has trouble covering. And so there's a point where like, and he's playing middle linebacker. That's not even like, I, I don't know. I don't even know if that's the right position for the guy. You know, it's just one of those things. He's middle linebackers are read react linebackers. That's, that's what they do. That's what all the greats always did. They read and react quickly. He has trouble doing that. He's a point and shoot linebacker. He's more of an Ernie Sims linebacker. And Ernie Sims was a weak outside linebacker for this team. He's point and shoot. It's like run at him, go tackle him. That's what Jared Davis does, and he doesn't even do that very well. He still takes poor angles. He still misses a lot of tackles. It's the third year. I mean, he's a linebacker. He should at least be able to tackle and make good angles, but he doesn't do that. You're not improving on that. You can improve your coverage skills, improve reading it, but like when you see the handoff and you go to it and you completely take the wrong angle, you are what you are. You're, you don't improve on that. You don't like all of a sudden just like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I, you know, I took this one. So do I want him to be good yet? Yeah. They are what they are at this point. I mean, they are what they are. So, Okay, so just so I'm clear, like, you don't see these guys can't get better. You're basically – your opinion of both players is, like, after this year, might as well not only dump them but go get somebody else off the scrap heap because they'd be better than Jared Davis right now as a linebacker. Like, basically anybody would be better because my my quick opinion is that – uh, okay, these guys aren't lockdowns at either spot, but I bet if we really broke down, you know, some of the different numbers, they're not as bad as you make them sound every week. Secondly, there's not like readily a place replacements at left tackle. Oh, we'll just go, uh, you know, grab this guy off the uh, off the bowling alley and put him in. So they're they're as best as you have right now. And like, if you just get rid of them and go draft another guy, you think he's going to be incredible day one? I mean, most of the time, then you're you're restarting the clock at that position. So I would much be more in the mold of trying to move Jerry Davis around because you bring up his coverage every week. You bring up his bad tackling. You rarely mention that the guy gets home on a lot of blitzes. He's also a thumper when he does hit you. He's probably the hardest worker on the team. So he's got those three things going for him, in my opinion, to balance out a lot of the negatives like – I think you just keep rolling with these guys because there's a lot worse players I could think in the middle or the outside, in my opinion, than the number 40 for the Detroit Lions. And same with left tackle. Like, you know, PFF's grading him well. Like, to me, uh, I'm not wowed by Taylor Decker, and I'm frustrated when he gets a penalty or when he gets beat, but there's plenty of weeks where I don't notice him one bit, and that's a good thing. And same with the rest of the offensive line. Yeah, there's times where everybody and their brother can say, man – Rick Wagner is just a turnstile, but there's multiple games in a row where you won't even remember that, that, that Rick Wagner plays right tackle because he's doing what he needs to do. He's keeping everybody off the quarterback and he's doing, again, we're still not running the football and that goes on those guys. And, and Jerry Davis is not turning this into a top 10 defense. We, we all know that, but my, my backspin is that, you know, not only do they bring good things to the table, but there's plenty of times where they're not costing us football games and they're much better than alternatives. Or the minute you get rid of Jared Davis and put another linebacker, it's just a swap for nothing. Whereas if you can coach him up, get Jared Davis better, even if he's not your captain, your defense, the guy in the middle, hey, okay, he's either a, a starting outside or maybe he's even a, a fringe player that you're bringing in on, on the third down blitzes. Maybe you're doing other things with him, like – he doesn't have to be a world beater just because you took him number 20 in the first round. That's my counter. Okay. Um, that, okay. I mean, generally you want your first round guys to be like, like you said, your world beaters. You're not going to settle for some average player. That's not what you drafted him for to just be an average player. That's not what you did. And 
but we're three years down the road and he's not so you you also go with the devil you know doesn't make any sense to me when a team that's all they've done i mean you want to talk about each team's different but it seems like the lions they will settle for well this is what we got let's just roll well who's really better out there you're right who is really better out there we talked before how they don't make any big splash trades when when stuff is needed you talked about how they sat still on a running back you know and then afterwards when after a team does make a big splash it's like well they gave up too much you know, me, you know, Fitzpatrick is having a great, you know, he's really helped that Pittsburgh defense turn around. They're back in the playoff hunt. We thought that with Mason Rudolph. It, it's just, you know, sometimes teams do that. They make big plays turn around. The, the Bears, yeah, it might be, they might be crap again this year, but that has nothing to do with Khalil Mack. It's because they put their bags in, their, in the basket of a crappy quarterback who just went out and, you know, threw three touchdowns against our crappy defense. So, it's... You know, just to sit there and say, like, it's the devil we know. We should live with them. They could coach him up. Like I said, Taylor Decker's been in the league long enough. There's enough tape on him. He's not becoming Orlando Pace all of a sudden. And Jared Davis, he just, yeah, I think the guy's just a big miss. I mean, there's guys you hear, they turn around really quick. Boom, they're like that. But he just, like I said, he still takes poor angles. He still can't cover. And that's all all mental. That's mental. Maybe the pro game is just a little too fast for him. Okay, and we could play volleyball back and forth all day, but I just want to end it on that, like, when it comes to, like, the reason I love the draft so much is because, like, everybody that kind of watches the draft as a fringe person thinks that, oh, in, in the first round, you just you just are – if you don't get a stud, like, you just – we got huge issues. Like back in the day when you were drafting and paying Adamican Sue like fifty million guaranteed with the number two pick as a defensive tackle. Yeah. If you if you missed in that era, you were in big trouble. Nowadays the money isn't the issue. And I, I was just doing some work today on like kind of what not only the percentage hit rate is, but kind of how random this stuff is. And there's plenty of players that are taken from ten all the way down that are supposed to be just stalwarts and they end up not but it but it also doesn't always mean that they got to just get rid of them get a new guy in there there's been plenty of stories where guys you know maybe they instead of your top guy they, they fall in as a, a really nice contributor you know which is still good now of course you know you're throwing out Orlando Pace the best in the game I mean when you find those guys in the top 10 or even in the lower part of the round that's a huge bonus. Uh, everybody had higher hopes for Jared Davis and, and probably for Taylor Decker, but I'm just telling you that in, unless you have a really better uh, solution and get this out of your head that, Oh, if we take somebody in the first round, they better be here for a decade and be pro bowl top end quality. It just doesn't happen that way in the draft, but the lions need to get more quality instead of, you know, guys, they're pitching out after two years or they don't even make their first contract that I agree with, but there's just levels to all this. And I feel like everybody's jumping on Jared Davis and for his faults, but I'm sitting here going, he's a third year guy. That's a physical specimen. And that has a lot of decent traits. He just needs to sort of slot in wherever he may be, which isn't, you know, a, a as you would put it, a Ray Lewis middle linebacker that, probably everybody in best case scenario hoped for and same with Decker I feel like yeah he's never going to be you know the Joe Thomas of the world but there's plenty of left tackles I have no idea who they are I have no idea if they were taken at 20 or at third fourth round and they're plenty serviceable in the NFL and I think he more than not he's serviceable so that that's where I'm bringing it up is they're grading decent they're still both in their third fourth years they're pretty good when it comes to measurables and all the different things. So even if they're not going to be Pro Bowl anchors, they could still be good on a team like the Lions who's building in other areas as well as having that young core that needs to turn the corner. But I don't think I would throw them out with the bathwater and just say, well, I'm going to take another left tackle and with my top 10 pick this year. Well, did you really help your football team? You just got marginally better at a spot instead of adding to, you know, uh, or put, putting another strength rather than, than saying uh, we got rid of a mid-level left tackle and now we have a good or great left tackle. Okay, that, that'd be nice to have, but it'd be nice to have a 
good, serviceable, or better than average left tackle and add a defensive end or add a corner, another lockdown corner. So, again, uh, that's my other side. I thought we'd just chat about it off the top. Griff, could yeah. before we, we get, get to we the game. Yeah, I want your quick take on, on what you thought when you saw the Matt Stafford was out. To me, this was – I've got lots of thoughts on it, but what was your initial reactions? And then before we even get to the game, just sort of like, it just, it was very odd to me for so many reasons. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, like you said, I was, uh, when I first saw it, I was, uh, expecting, I, I do this every Sunday morning before, you know, coming home watching the last I, I go to the gym, you know, it's one of those things I get my workout in, you know, get my mind right. You know, I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm there, and as I'm working out, like, my uh, phone, you know, a text comes through. My buddies just says, Stafford's out. And I'm just, mm-hmm. like, text back, what? You know, question mark, because, you know, that's, like, one of those things, like, you never expect to see. And he's just, like, you know, broken back is what it said. And at that point, you know, and he, he um, sent me, the like, the line, the Adam Schefter tweet or whatever. And so at that point, I'm just, like, you know, I finished the workout. And just I, At that point, all I could think was just, like, man, it's, like, you know, it was a, I, I didn't like I, I didn't even know who the backup was. It was one of those things. It's just like who was the backup? And then you know you read Driscoll starting. And it's like you know I, I remember him with Cincinnati. And don't I, I had to look up. You know and they said I know I know they said in the game a couple times that he was one and four. It was just like all the hope was kind of gone. I'm just like gosh you know because you figure it's just like if he's backup and it's just because even during the week you know I was reading things like you know uh, you know. Uh, you know, Stafford was like limited in practice, you know, do enough, didn't do a whole lot. And like, but that just generally happens with teams. They will, they'll, they'll, you know, ease off, you know, during practice, you know, during the, during the middle of the season for their play. So, you know, I really kind of thought nothing of it thinking that he would be out there anyways. But like once Driscoll, I was just like, gosh, it was a game they really needed. And really I, I, I watched it with it. I watched it just to watch it. I wasn't expecting them to win. And that's it, it's it's hard going into a game when you know to get hyped about it when it just seems like there's no hope you know like you said carry on was out you know our backup was in it was just at that point it was just it was kind of difficult to watch it just seemed like it was one of those things like the coaches before the game was like you know just don't turn the ball over and we'll be okay you know you know we'll do this well you, you just don't lose it for us and, and we'll figure out a way to win you know one of those pep talks you know but I, I don't know it's just it was very disheartening and very disappointing. And I understand, hey, it's Stafford. He's got, you know, family. You want the guy to be able to walk when he's done with his career, and I understand that. But it was just, you know, as a Lions fan, you're just like, gosh, you know, what else could go wrong with this team? Yep. I uh, I did hear your answer there, Grifka. I really did. But the one thing I kept uh, in my brain your, during your whole answer, you know that you, you can't say on this show that a buddy texted you. You know what the people want or what, what you refer to that as. Come on, give, give it to him. Yeah, he pinged me, man. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I was just going, I can't believe Griffka didn't say you pinged him twice. That would have been classic, so we got to get that in. But uh, I'll, I'll save my thoughts, actually, because I may do either a bonus show or I've got some conspiracy theories. I've got some things I want to say about it, but my, my real basic was... You better play the conspiracy mu- conspiracy music if you got conspiracy mu- theories, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like I say, I think I'm going to save it. I want to get my uh, thoughts all together on it. But uh, there's lots of lots of stuff, lots of either both shady business or just uh, craziness going on with this that I think the people will want to hear. And uh, I don't know, man. Don't know what to think about it across the board, but. Uh, I've got thoughts. I've got Grifka conspiracies. I've got all types of takes on this. But my initial reaction was I just couldn't believe what I was seeing on my screen because, you know, this was not on my radar at all. It wasn't something of he was iffy. It wasn't the guys played so well. And then just to see not even like always questionable or, oh, he might uh, be on the sideline, but, you know, we're not sure if he can go just straight up. He's out was uh was crazy so like i say i'll save some of that uh but let's go ahead and get into this review grifka we got to talk about this game it was a division game it was in chicago against the sputtering 
Chicago Bears. I mean, a team that we talked about leading up to the game that was, you know, struggling. Uh, a team that that we definitely uh, reached out to our boy. Uh, oh my goodness, Denny Green. I mean, he had plenty to say about the Chicago Bears. They are who we thought they were. And they basically proved that on Sunday. They are who we thought they were. And we still uh, couldn't get it done in the end. We'll talk all about it. We'll take a quick break for our sponsors. We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everybody, we're back in the house. We uh, had some spirited discussions to start the show about uh, running backs the frustration there as well as jared davis taylor decker two of the hot button items on this show here we are to talk about the bears game driscoll starting for the lions you know most lions fans had the griff could take which was kind of like uh you know no chance we can win this what do the lions do they come out the gate driscoll looks really great on the first drive takes a ton of time off the clock the Lions actually end up getting two field goals to make it 6-0 before you could blink there in the first quarter. And then all Lions fans are thinking, hey, we still got a shot with this guy uh, as it's 6-zip. And, and it was basically 6-zip until the last drive of the second quarter. And that's when we somehow let Mitch, which is a dog's name, Trubisky get going and throw it around and throw a touchdown to a guy. I just remember him going, who the hell is that? It's like, who, who, who is, and they said his name. And I was like, who, like some no name garbage player caught a touchdown to end the half for like 20 seconds left to make us all feel like, Oh my gosh, here we would have went in the locker room six. Oh, Mitch Trubisky was doing absolutely nothing. I mean, the guy was absolute it's garbage, uh, absolute garbage, it's garbage, it's garbage. And here he goes, he throws a touchdown, and, and then we're losing at half, which to me is always annoying, and they get the football. Grifka, what did you think of this first quarter, how we got off, as well as what happened to kind of end the half? Uh, like you said, first drive, took him down for, like, the field goal. I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you know, maybe this won't be so bad. And then, um, you know, they got that other field goal, but uh, I, it seemed like they got really conservative even when the Lions had really good field position in that first half where they, they were like, I think they were at their 40 one time. And, you know, at the 50, even on the bear side of the field, you know, one point real, you know, there in the second quarter and, you know, that one drive, they were on the bear side of the field and they went back and they, they went back, you know, what, 20 yards after a couple of penalties. And I think they had a third and 30 at one point uh, on that same thing it was just, they just got really conservative on those play calls and, you know, just, you know, I understand, you know, Driscoll didn't get a lot of snaps, but it was situations like that where, you know, you know, surprise somebody, I mean, go down, you know, go down the field, you know, like they did late in the game, which you'll talk about here in a little bit, but they didn't do any of that. And that was just, you know, you just kind of, you know, just kind of threw away great field position. And, you know, you just wanted to put in the hands of like your defense, like, Oh, just don't turn the ball over and we'll be okay. And that's just, I don't know. It's just when they were up six nothing, I just thought they left some points on points on the field there. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that in previous weeks. Like, you can always go back to like, oh, we should have got touchdowns. We should have been more aggressive. Like, I felt like six zero was fine because, you know, you had at least not only scored those points, which anytime you can sort of get up on a road game, that's a positive. And they came back and were playing good D, which was shutting down Trubisky, which we all kind of expected. They weren't letting Montgomery do anything. No gadget plays to Cohen. And, uh, 
you know, for the most part, just playing like really solid football. It was only to that late drive where they got it going, like I said. And to me, that's the most demoralizing part of this game. It's like I can only imagine how this game goes if they run into the locker room, they get booed off the field by Chicago Bears fans, which they were booing them after the first, you know, three and out or whatever. Imagine what they would have done if they go into the locker room where he has like, again, 20 yards passing, no points, Lions are up six zip. You know, it would have been a totally different vibe, but then you give up not only the touchdown, it was like bing, bam, boom down the field and then a touchdown to some nobody and, and they're dancing in the aisles. And I'm just, to me, that was such a momentum swing as well as then you, you remember, oh, damn. And they get the ball after the half. Like, had they held them to nothing, I think this is a different football game. Man, I was I was still doing my normal, hey, it's only 7-6, you know, type of deal. But I was really frustrated by that late touchdown. I thought it was brutal. And then the other thing that ended this game, in my opinion, was you let them come right out of the locker room, get a touchdown. Then Jeff Driscoll throws the ball directly, as uh, The Rock would say. He threw it directly to the Chicago Bears player, and then they, you know, they have a short field and they score again. I mean, to me, that that three touchdowns within, gosh, probably even like, you know, a total of maybe five minutes of clock time was uh, somewhat of a death nail, in my opinion. It was just you can't let that happen. Well, I know was that I think it was the. First drive of the second half where the Bears went down and scored. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it was on the penalty one. We're not penalty one or the after the interception one. You know, it was a Slay got that real ticky tack pass interference. I mean, mm-hmm. Even even the announcer was like, well, yeah, there was, there was a little arm tug there. It's just like, man, that's just hand fighting right there. There was, I mean, come on. Not to mention, like, even, you know, what was it? I think it was Robinson. He, like, pushed off a little bit on that. So, once again, not looking to blame the refs, but that was a, that, that was a third down play. I mean, right there. I mean, it, it you know it would have stopped them, and I don't even think they were in field goal range at that point. But it, yeah, it was a third and one, and Trubisky threw it like way down the field, and it, it would have been if it wasn't complete, it would have been a really long field goal attempt for their crappy kicker, and they gave him like a pass interference call. It's just like you, you know, and like Slay's my boy, and he's like still like you know what was that call? But even when they announced it, it's like well, there's like a little tug there, you know that that was it. Come on. I mean, really? I mean, they're both hand fighting all the way down the field. I mean, that was it was a pretty cheap penalty right there. That didn't help. Griffka, these NFL refs, I, I just hope they go home to themselves every night. They got to be saying this when they're really honest with themselves. It's a bad decision, period, point blank. It was a, the, one of the dumbest decisions I ever made. Like, th- there's literally not a third down play where I don't, like, wait a good, you know, 20, 30 seconds before I get excited because all I'm, is there a flag? I'll, I'll literally be at home and go, I'll wait, I'll wait. And I'll go, all right, no flags. Okay. We're good. Like, because that's what it's come down to in the NFL. Not only these flags come out, you know, randomly on ticky tack, especially in the lions games. So that's what we focus on and what we watch, like literally plays will end. The play is over. Like the ball's been hit the ground. It's sort of done. And then these flags come out. It's almost like they're waiting, like back in the day. And again, uh, you know, we bring up an NBA analogy, like, you know, when Jordan would shoot it and they would almost wait to see like, all right, if he makes it, we're just going to let the highlight go. But if he misses, we're going to give him that hit to the wrist. That's what it feels like in the NFL to me now. It's kind of like, wait, hold on. Let's make sure if Aaron Rodgers makes a play, we'll let it go. But if he doesn't, we'll bail him out with a flag. I mean, I don't think this game was on the refs either, but there's been many instances of that. I remember this happening in this game where it was sort of after the fact, ticky-tack, third down, bailing teams out. If you're an NFL ref, you have to have common sense to be like, okay, on third and one, it better be egregious for me to call it, not these, you know, hand on the guy's hip while the other guy's pushing off too, and we give the the offense the you know, the, the free play and the, the, the free new set of downs. That's a big swing in a game. I agree with you that like that was rough as well as ticky tack. And as well as we've seen too much of it this year, it just continues to happen. There's a Kenny Galladay play. I want to hit on in the fourth quarter that was ridiculous too. And it's just like, that really didn't even take points off the board or anything, but it's just another big play at a big spot in the game. It's just a totally blown call. So um, before we talk about that, Griff, oh, go ahead. Like, like, 
you know, like I said, I'm not looking to pin this on like the refs. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, this the team was just overmatched with what the Lions actually had on the field that game. But Hold again, on, though. Like, real them, quick counterpoint. We've seen, where, we've Hold seen on. it before where, like, guys' face okay, masks are, ahead. like, pulled. Or, like, not even pulled, but their head jerks around a little bit. And here comes the flag. I mean, it happened twice on the Lions. I mean, there's one point, I believe it was, like, McKissick was getting tackled. And it's blatant where, like, the guy just grabs his face mask and turns his head. And they're like, even the announcer's like, how'd the refs miss that? And then one time, it, it happened again, like, right in front of the referees. There was like, it wasn't even in a pile. And it happened again. And they're like, how did they miss that? And it's just, it, it, we've seen less egregious calls, you know, made on face masks where a guy's finger barely touches it. And they call it. And it's just it's stuff that leads me to believe the conspiracy theory against the Lions. Like, oh, the NFL don't give a crap about the Lions. I mean, it's just like, whatever, this game is, you know, the refs are like, fine, this, you know, let's get this game over with. It's between a couple mediocre to below average teams. Let's just get this game over with. So, Griff, I have a counterpoint. Do you want to say, though, maybe who they would want to give calls to if when they're talking about these uh, conspiracy theories oh. you mentioned? Oh, oh Green Bay being one of them, Patriots being another one. Talk about it on Friday, but you know, there's there about a bad call one time. I have that Yeah, just uh, you know, those teams always good calls. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you there. I wanted to jump in on you though. You didn't let me like you normally don't on the show, but I I needed to jump in when you said we we're outmatched because we weren't outmatched. We were. We were winning the game early. We gave up a couple touchdowns. Here we are trying to not only prevent those, which some of these calls would have, but this is another game that ends up coming down, you know, thanks to this next play that I want to mention. Jeff Driscoll, when everybody's basically turned off their TV and they're going to the uh, the local park or doing grocery shopping, he throws it like a 47-yard touchdown, I believe it was, to Kenny Galladay. We're right back in the football game with a really good chance to win. So this was not like a a beat down, you know, end by the third quarter. This came down not only to the final drive, but the final play again. So you can't write it off as like, oh, we we're outmatched, we we're getting whooped. A few of these calls could have swung this game. And there's been many a times where we say that, like, okay, you don't want to blame the refs, but – you know, when games are coming down to the final drive, the final couple snaps, and you're just having to go back and look at some of these plays that were missed, like, you know, it, it does come down to issues there. So I, I, I don't want you to sell this as like a, not only do we have like no running backs, no quarterback defense still that didn't, you know, shut them down. I mean, this is a road divisional game that we had a chance to win at the end, if not tie, you know, so I thought the Kenny touchdown was nice. I really loved, you know, got outside the pocket. Of course, you know, the Bears were crying for a holding or whatever they wanted on this call just because these guys now are taught to just collapse when anybody has their hands on their shoulder pads. They just try to fall down as hard as possible. So they'll get a holding call. Driscoll got outside the pocket, chucked this ball up, and then Kenny just does what he does and snatched it out of the air for a touchdown. I loved it. Yeah, that was – it was a great play, and – it was probably the bright spot that Kenny had that game. I mean, considering he didn't have that, that breed of game, you know, considering what he's done in uh, past weeks for this team. So his game was not that, uh, it wasn't that great. <laughs> I see. That's my other thing. It's like now that Kenny Galladay is putting up some big numbers, leading the league in touchdowns, you know, how, how often do we have to see that, you know, even the best receivers in the game, like if Hopkins goes for two or three weeks where he's balling out, I expect him to have a down week because defenses are going to focus on him because you just can't consistently put up like 100 and a touch like all day, every day. So, like, I was totally cool with not only him ha- not having a big game per se, but making a play like this, which got us right back in the football game. Like, I think that's the kind of expectations people have to have for Kenny Galladay is that, yeah, he's not going to come out and – and have 120 and two TDs every week, but he might have 101 and then he might drop down to like 60. And then he might have a, a game that's, I don't know, not that great, but then he might come back and have a, a dominant game where he's an absolute beast. So, you know, we can't fall in that trap of thinking this guy's going to just ball out every game, but he continues to get the end zone. He continues to, you know, get these 50, 50 balls and, and that bodes well, you know, as well as they, 
they like to spread it out as we know. So sure enough, the Lions get that touchdown. They, uh, the play I want to hint on is something that um, Eric Schlitt of USA Today Lions Wire brought up to me. And uh, he kind of had this thing on Twitter about like, you know, how, how is this not called? And it was Kenny Galladay coming off the line and basically just running like kind of a slant route and getting like bumped off by the linebacker, like six yards downfield or whatever, just kind of crushed him and they kept going. And like, I, it didn't even register to me. I just wrote Eric back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're not going to make that call unless they call an OPI on, on Kenny or whatever, which would be garbage. And he's like, no, that was the OPI on Kenny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that call. They had called like some random offensive pass interference on Kenny Galladay, but either they didn't show the replay or I just missed it because I was so frustrated or, you know, was in the other room, whatever was going on. And when he showed it to me, I'm like, they called that? Like, if anything, it was the linebacker that initiated the contact. He was, like I said, six yards downfield. Uh, it had nothing to do with the play. This was like, you know, slot middle of the field. And it was a scramble drill where he ended up making time. And remember he threw it. I think it was to, uh, McKissick, you know, actually moved the sticks on this play and they took it away for this bogus call. I mean, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, but it was just kind of like once I saw it and then people were like telling me, oh, yeah, they didn't show the replay. And I'm like, you dang sure they didn't because that was another egregious, awful, embarrassing call by NFL officials. They should be embarrassed. Yeah. These guys should lose their jobs for stuff like this. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter as well, but it's just one of those things where I, like you said, it's one of those things where. Was it, uh, you you think the refs were like playing into it and stuff and like I got in a I, I don't want to say discussion with my buddies about that because I I you know conspiracy theory I was just like you know I think the NFL carries about eight teams and every other team's just cannon fodder and they're like well no you know it's a it's a parody is what is what the NFL likes and you know how many times do you see like you know it's a third and long there'd be a deep defensive holding to give the team a first down it's just like you're right, but that's what they like, and you know they turn. It just seems to happen. Like, okay, well, you know the Bears. You know they got to get back into it. We like the Bears, so yeah, you're right. That that offensive pass interference was just a crap call. Like I said, it's just you know the the, the slay call I was talking about. If you watch the replay, the referee likes go you know goes like you know incomplete pass. Robinson looks at him, throws his hands out, and says, you know, where's the pass interference? And he like reaches for his flag, like. Come on, man. If it was a pass interference, like where it was down the field, because it wasn't right there. They called it like, you know, well, Robinson took two or three more steps. You know, your hand should have been on the flag at that point, not waiting to see if it catches it or not. So it's it's just junk like that, you know, and, you know, like you said, a couple play here, play here or there, you know, could turn the tables and we had a chance of, you know, winning this game, even with, you know, our backup quarterback and down to our fourth, you know, running back. But still, it's just... Yeah, it's it's plays like that that lead me to believe, and I know there's other teams out there. Oh, well, we get the same calls. Green Bay doesn't get that junk call like that. You know, I mean, come on. You know, you know, New England's defense doesn't get junk calls like that called against them. Pittsburgh doesn't get junk calls like that called against them. You know, it's, it's all it's a joke, is what it is when it comes to that junk. Where like it happens in the Lions, though. It happens to like you know the Jaguars. It happens to like the Cardinals. You know, it happens to those teams. You know, so. <laughs> And everybody just writes it off as like, well, you know, they're just bad teams. Well, All no, right. You, you, that too. It's just like, those calls don't get you, made instantly. You got to put the soapbox away, Griffco. We oh, get so it. It's been a few weeks since I dug one out. So, uh, <laughs> it's another embarrassment by NFL officials, bottom line, and it continues to happen to our beloved Lions, and it's just super frustrating. But I want to get to this. So despite the bad calls – despite being outmatched, as you put it, where I thought this was kind of a grimy game that other than the little dink and dunk touchdowns by Trubisky, which made him look like a world beater, like we're in this game despite being short everywhere. We get the football. We get a few stops. We get the ball back multiple times, put a drive together, come up short, whatever, a fourth down, end up getting the ball back again, coming down the field, make a few plays, we're, we're basically like, I remember watching the game going, we're literally at the 25, you know, with, I think this was with, excuse me, maybe like under 30 seconds left. And I'm like, we're at the 25. Like, why are we not taking shots at the end zone? Like, why are we not 
you know, aggressively trying to win this ball game. And then sure enough, it was like the next play, he threw that little two yard crossing route to Kenny where he just got ate up and got tackled right on the spot. And like, that's where I just thought like, you know, you got yourself in this position. You're down here. Now this is where you start trying to win the game, trying to tie the game, trying to actually give yourself a chance. They didn't take one shot even anywhere near the end zone on this final drive. It's all that dink and dunk get there, but who cares if you get there, if you never actually have the gall to put it in the end zone or draw up something that you can actually throw. I don't know. Here's an idea. Throw another jump ball to 19 and see if he can bail you out and not only catch it, but then maybe you grow some onions and you go for two and win this thing or whatever. Like there was none of that. It was just, you know, okay, here's a methodical drive. Here we are with 30, 45 seconds, decent in range, probably around the 30 or 40, throw that crosser. And then Kenny puts the ball like three yards ahead of where it should have been. We hike it. And then, Jeff Driscoll goes Bizarro Orlovsky, and instead of running back out of the end zone, he runs ahead of the sticks and then throws a, just a garbage ball out of bounds to Danny Amendola. Like, I mean, just crumple up my notes. Like, what are we doing here? Like, it's just the end of the game was a frustrating embarrassment because we had a chance, we were in it, and we did nothing to try to take the game. <sighs> yeah, I, These are my I, notes. I, I feel- that whole uh, that whole rant right there. You what? I feel you with that whole rant right there. So you kind of agree. agree. <laughs> so my, Griffka- my, big, my biggest thing on that last drive is like, and I understand. Jessica, like I said before, Jessica doesn't get a lot of snaps. And at one point, like they said during the, even the announcer said during the game, the color analyst who um, said sometimes you just get Dan Fouts was the color analyst. He goes, you got to be smart with your read. You know, it's nice that you check down, but still at that point, even Galladay has to think I shouldn't catch this when I'm one yard off the line of scrimmage with like 12 seconds left or whatever. It's just, that was when that happened. I'm like, what good does that do? I mean, you're just burning clock and Galladay caught it in the middle of the field. And he's trying to sprint to the sideline. It's just, dude. At that point, you just need to let it hit your hands and just, you know, bat it to the ground because it's it's pretty much a worthless play at that point because he's not going to turn the corner and take it in from the from the twenty two, you know. So it just that was just a frustrating play for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, part of me was just like saying, what? How great would this be if we pull this out with Jeff Driscoll? We come from behind after leading, then giving the game away, and then we steal it at the end. It's, Reminded me of the the Calvin catch where that game was out of hand too, and then Sean Hill made like two three crazy throws. Next thing you know, we steal a game in Chicago. Oh wait, but then they jobbed us with a, a bogus call. Grifka, let me hit you with some stats. Uh, the Lions, Grifka had more yards than the Bears. You want to know how much more? Three hundred and fifty seven to two twenty six. The the Lions. Uh, held Mitch Trubisky, everybody's talking about his quarterback rating, this, that, and the other, 173 total passing yards. That's a garbage day in the NFL. Okay, you had three touchdowns. One was gifted to you. Another one was some nobody. And uh, I'm sure the other one was a dink and dunk too because I don't even remember. It was just some, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky-type play where he just got fortunate. So we won that battle, even though like people are making a big deal out of them. We won the time of possession. But you know why we didn't win, Grifka? For simple reasons I talk about every week, it seems like, on this show. Zero turnovers. We had eight penalties for 76 yards. Multiple of those were either questionable or cost us first downs, You know, getting the football back, all this type of stuff. I, I want to have a game where the lions win and you can actually show me the stat sheet where we lose the turnover battle. And we, we have like, you know, a ton of penalties. It does not happen. And this is another example of it. So we win all these categories, but we lose the two that I think matters most in a lot of games, turnover and penalties. And we also don't get aggressive at the end of the game where we should have and stick the ball in the end zone and see what happens. Worst case, you get a penalty, Kenny bails you out. Marvin hadn't done anything. I'm sure you could throw him a jump ball. We we don't even give our t- chance to win the game. Like that that's a story to me. Yeah, it's just yeah. There's, there's so many things that could have 
you know, if it just would have went, you know, the, if the ball just would have hit right and went our way, you know, I don't know. Just, like I said, like I said, it's just kind of, we're just kind of left with uh, air in our hands again, so. Yeah, all right. You're killing our audience, Grifka. So let's go ahead and do this. On Friday, we put this game in the books. Obviously, like say, if, if Stafford's down for multiple weeks, we have no running backs. Our defense is still both injured and not where it needs to be. You know, it's hard to have a ton to look forward to with this football team, but it doesn't mean that, you know, when healthy, it's not a good roster. It doesn't mean that, you know, they can't bounce back, even if it is late in this year or 2020. Like, you know, there are things to kind of, you know, circle and be excited about. But like I say, it is hard to get going with our current state, our current record. The fact that our, our highly paid franchise quarterback is not only injured, but he has a, a lingering back injury, it appears, which is never good. But let's put this in the books. Let's go ahead. We'll get to our Friday show. We're going to have our buddy Chuck on, who's a lifelong Cowboys fan. We'll ask him all types of questions about the Dallas Cowboys, what he likes, what what we think the Lions can do against the Cowboys, good, bad, and otherwise, how we see this game going down. So I'm excited for that podcast. And with all that being said, Grifka, time is now. There's only one thing left to do. Do you have anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Thank you, everybody. We say it every week. We can't thank you enough for the support. You can shoot messages, talk sports, talk football, talk Alliance football with me and Grifka. I'm at Derek Okri, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. And you can get at Grifka D-K-C, just like it sounds, on Twitter. And please keep uh, leave us a quick review um on itunes that really helps us as well as uh just keep drinking that detroit kool-aid we're gonna keep serving it up regardless got some ideas things we're gonna try here in the future as well as uh you know we're just trying to get through it's been a, a tough season not one we expected but you know sometimes that's how the nfl goes but uh keep doing this drink it in we'll, we'll keep serving up that crackling lion's cornbread corn corn cornbread and we'll be back here on Friday, right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Back to back. Start the play. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.